Welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work and discuss writing-related topics. I'm DC. I am a speculative, usually a speculative fiction writer, but next week I'm going to be starting my historical fiction, <laughs> um, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I did just finish doing all the edits from my betas on my on my other book, and I have now sent it off to <laughs> just one agent. <laughs> Please, if you're out there, take me. <laughs> I don't want to send it to anybody else. If you're I listening, want you. <laughs> please. Please. I don't want to send it anywhere else. Yeah. Then wouldn't that be a fucking fairy tale? Uh yeah. So um uh what am I reading? Oh my gosh. Honestly, I am not reading anything right now. I took I took a week week off. I'm about to start Forging a Nightmare by Patricia A. Jackson, but I kinda gotta be honest, guys. Kind of taking a week off of reading here. I'm about to beta a very or finish betaing a very good book next week, but I can't talk about that because it's top secret. You know, it's top secret. Um, and I'm Avery and I write adult fantasy. Uh, what I'm working on is I am finishing up revisions to the self-published sequel and I am drafting a new thing again and it is the best feeling in the world. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. (laughs) Like, this is great. I have no idea how this goes. Uh, It's been a while. So we'll see how that goes as I get further, uh, once i get past like chapter three um what i am reading is i am also still reading forging a nightmare which i had started last time it's actually a very fast-paced book and i probably would have been done by now except i had some some hyper fixations between now and then that kind of took up some of my time so we're back to reading (laughs) i took a small detour that's fine it happens everything's fine but yeah what it's doing very well is last time i mentioned the pacing which is still really good but it also has a character that i am absolutely in love with and i can't oh, yeah? see what happens yes uh really from the moment you're introduced to this character you know who they are and is it a guy or a girl it's a girl sort of <sighs> i'm probably not gonna like it it's... or her as much then I, I like a good guy well i'm sure the guy character is great too because like maybe the protagonist is a male right yes yeah He's also very, he's a great character, but I am, I am in love with the character who is sort of a girl. <laughs> I don't want to oh. say too much more without ruining a lot with you, for you, but. From what I know about the book, I've got a sneaking suspicion. Yeah. And if it is what I think it is, I'll probably like her too, because she's probably not human. No. no not. <laughs> yes, then I will probably like her. So, yeah, so that's what I'm working on, what I'm reading. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about inspiration versus copying, kind of where is the line, how to deal with your doubts about it, and kind of how to make some some more common ideas your own. That should be fun. And so I did the original drink tonight because it's like normal. It's just a it's a lemon gin Collins. It's two ounces of gin, an ounce of lemon, an ounce of simple syrup, some orange bitters. And some seltzer on ice. Super interesting and yeah, exciting. Very classic cocktail. But the punchline is Avery's drink. My drink, it is a canned Gin Collins uh, from Tom's Town, which is a fairly local-ish to me distillery. Uh, I've I've had some sketch experiences with uh, canned cocktails, but these ones are actually quite good, which is why I chose this one for this podcast, because I didn't want to drink a gross one. The backstory behind this is I didn't want to do the canned one because I'm a stuck-up bitch. I usually am. Like I said, this is kind of the one exception for canned cocktails was I had a, I had someone who was visiting me. We went to the liquor store and they picked up some and I was like, oh, these are actually good. Also, not sponsored. No one sponsors us. I- no one sponsors us. No one likes us. We have no friends. <laughs> but now that it's in a cup or glass, you can't tell. Ooh, look at that. So I've made the copy my own. <laughs> yes, the joke is we're doing copies today. Or is it is it inspiration versus copying? Yeah, it's, and it's a little bit of both. Get it? She's she's got a can a can one, and I've got the original <laughs> one. We we think we're very clever. <laughs> I don't know how similar they are. 
Yeah, I thought it was clever. <laughs> so yeah, we kind of have like a, a lot of scattered thoughts about this topic, uh, and I kind of just rolled them all into one episode. Um, so I think kind of the the core question is, what is like when is something inspiration, and when does it become copying? And is there like is there is there a line, and how do you know where it is? That's the stickiest <laughs> question I think we have. Well, as far as Netflix remakes of Disney movies, I don't think there is a line. <laughs> I think they pretty much go line for line. Uh, you know, that's well. That's actually a subject we have later, which is about rehashing your own work too. Oh, yeah. is it? Um, because, oh, good. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> yeah, because we do have like yeah a topic about kind of copying yourself a little bit later. Um, but like. No, but like, have you ever seen Netflix? They do those like, the re they they do their own version of like a Disney oh, movie. Oh yeah, not not yeah. like the Disney live action remakes, but like the knockoffs. Yeah, like the knockoffs. They're like so you know because they couldn't get that because Disney Plus they just kind of have yeah. shitty versions. It's well, fine. they used to do that on DVDs too. Like you'd go to the bargain bin DVDs and you'd find mm -hmm. like, Kick Punch Panda. Kick Punch Panda. <laughs> Or there was one that was like Transmorphers instead of Transformers. Oh, God. So yeah, you'd find like those knockoff DVDs there too. Um, that's a little bit different because oh, those yeah. are usually like just the content is a hot mess and it's just that the cover is designed to trick you into buying it. Um, but it is proof that, you know, okay, I'm not saying go forge a book right now. I'm not, or not uh, forging. Wow. Uh, don't go copy a book right now, but there is, you can be similar. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a similar product that somebody has already made and you're still okay. Yeah. And that's one of the, one of the topics <laughs> is that you legally can't copyright a general premise. So like, for example, if you've got something that's like Star Wars, you got something that's like, space opera about a farm boy who defeats the evil regime you can't copyright that yeah because that's just a concept so somebody else could take the concept yeah. make it their own and i think the key to doing this well is to add enough of you like enough of your point of view into it um mm -hmm. that brings that brings something new uh also subverting those tropes can be really effective but you don't have to but mostly kind of your point of view. I do make a joke about the spite book because I do occasionally write a book where I read a book and I'm like, oh, I could do this concept, but better. And I take <laughs> and not the whole book, but like a part of it. Like, I don't really like how they de dealt with enemies to lovers. I'm going to do enemies to lovers the way I want to do it. So you can do that and get your inspiration from them out of spite. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yes. True. Yes. So I don't know if this is on the list, but my favorite conversation starter to this one is that thing that I don't know if you've ever heard it, of anybody doing this. And I haven't read the list of things we're supposed to talk about yet. So I have, I might be getting ahead of myself here. My favorite conversation starter is I don't read much in my genre because I don't want to be over inspired and rewrite somebody else's ideas. And I just think that is the biggest load of shit <laughs> that I have ever heard in my life. Like, well, do you really think you're not creative enough to, like, come up with your own goddamn ideas? Well, and my thing also <laughs> with that is... I'm you can't yeah. do it because everybody writes different. Like, you may write something that's very similar, and it can be similar. There's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, um, especially because... I think that like some people like reading books that are very similar. So there's nothing wrong with, with doing something that's already been done. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but using it as an excuse not to read, that's just mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like you, you are allowed to, to do work that's similar to what you're reading. That that's allowed. Everybody. <laughs> you can do well, that. Well, my point was also like, then do you never read? Because like those ideas are still going to be like in your brain, even if you read it years ago. 
Um, Because that's actually another kind of thing that was on our topic was like the fear of accidentally copying something that you have read or seen or consumed before thinking it's original, like your original idea. (laughs) Boy, it is so hard to accidentally copy something like you know, like, because I mean, I guess the perspective on this is, do you know how hard a fucking book is to write? Like the amount of like different things you have to do to put that book together, the, um, you know, the words, the the characters, the arcs, the plot, like, boy, like that would be a trick to like actually accidentally copy a whole idea. But I think that's part of the discussion is, Because, yeah, copying, like, the whole thing by accident is not going to happen. But what if you, like, for example, using our Star Wars analogy, just because pretend Star Wars is not, like, the most popular of all, like, space operas. um, Pretend you you had read a book that was Star Wars and then years later came up with the idea of, like, cool space laser swords. And you put them in a book that was completely different. And what if people read it and went, Star Wars used cool space laser swords. And... In my opinion, that's not a big deal. But I know some people worry about that. I think that there's right to worry, especially with something as huge as a lightsaber. <laughs> that's what I was like, pretend it was you know, not like... as, as big of a deal. But I wanted something people could refer to. But this is the challenge, though. It's like, how can you remake the lightsaber? Because, like, I actually like that kind of shit. Like, I, you know, I have been known to take tropes that have been done a lot like immortals i'm super obsessed with immortals guys uh but like tropes that have been done before and like just turning them inside out mm-hmm. write me a lightsaber that's not a lightsaber like write me a lightsaber that 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 makes me feel so far away from star wars that it becomes its own thing and like honestly that could be fun like it could be a fun challenge to see if you could do that mm-hmm. uh um, but it wouldn't be copying Star Wars. I mean, not unless I would say that the copying at that point would come like, okay, who who has the lightsaber? Is is it a young man with blonde hair? And and does he have a dad like Darth Vader? And you know, that's kind of one of those things where it's like, where's the line? Is if you lift lightsabers, okay, are you copying Star Wars? Probably not. Space swords that's a concept anybody could but if you lift space swords wielded by a farm boy okay well now you're starting to get a little star wars and his dad is the leader of the evil space regime well now you're starting to look and he has robot buddies and you're like so at a certain point like how much is too much and i think that's one of those like it's kind of one of those like it's porn i know it when i see it kind of things yeah it's I think it's if they're, you're not bringing anything original into the mix. Because I think if you bring yeah. all of those things and then make it the whole thing satire, that's, yeah. that's something new. You take the that's whole yours. thing and you do it with like vampires versus werewolves. And you're like, well, now it's Star Wars with vampires and werewolves. And now it's something a little bit different. Just like Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Yes. Like it is, like, it is the exact same book, but with zombies, you guys. Yeah, like, it's like literally the same passages. It, it, and it's like a hit like that people love that book right so you have to throw an original spin on it but otherwise like you like people say over inspired and like you know i do agree that there's some extent where it's just like you know that's been done a million times probably don't do that because it's not good for business right now you know if you're somebody who's writing for business and not for pleasure um obviously that is different but yeah, like it's so hard to be over inspired because you can really take something that somebody's already done and just put the weirdest swing on it and it could just be so fun and unique that yeah, but you have to have at least one big original thing, you know, like this is this is what's making the book. The thing that's making the book is not the thing that you're being I don't I, know. I think you're I I got like yeah, sorry. I want to just just come out there and say i'm a little out of it today so if i come across like an absolute asshole i'm sorry (laughs) everybody like i'm super out of it you've had a very mentally taxing week yeah so i'm like wow i feel like i'm being really aggressive right now i feel like i'm I'm mouthy right now you're fine sorry everybody but no i think that's it comes down to like 
kind of what you're talking about bringing adding something new and stuff i think you need a point of view i think if you're copying like trappings of something without a point of view then that's when people start to go is this just a copy of you know x is this just a copy of star wars it's the same thing but there's nothing there's not a new point of view there and so if you told mm -hmm. you know all of star wars story with like a lens towards a different theme then that could be really interesting um star wars story from the point of the perspective of a squirrel <laughs> that's in the world yeah and it doesn't even have to be like specifically character point of view but even author point of view um like i said if you're exploring <laughs> different themes with it that happens a lot in some of these retellings uh especially like fairy tale retellings shakespeare retellings people will be like okay here's the story beats but what if i explore a different theme with it you know what if originally it was about mm -hmm. you know just this basic fairy tale morality tale but instead i'm going to explore this theme of like grief over losing a family member and you're like well that wasn't really in the original story but that's an interesting aspect of the story to explore so that's where you're like changing the lens a little bit whether it's a character point of view or like the points you're trying to make as an author so i think copying isn't always what people think it is <laughs> if that makes sense yeah but you know i will say now that i've been rash and a big jerk <laughs> i will say that it, it you know it's human nature to feel like we're not good enough to come up with something that's entirely unique and enjoyable so i think that a lot of like we have a friend i don't know i, I feel like she's done this um like just worrying about her work being very similar to another person's or you know whatever and i just think that's human nature because we don't you know unless you're like an egomaniac you know we don't really have we don't like to think that we can do something without like stealing an idea or you know this can't possibly be just mine <laughs> like you know like I'm, I'm obviously taking inspiration from too many places and the fact of the matter is that i feel like most of the time you're really just being worried over nothing mm -hmm. because every story is unique and, and i think that i hear this a lot when people are like oh so and so wants this sort of book and and you know so this other person already sent that book and like or my my friends writing this book i should stop writing mine because they were kind of similar or this book just got published you know i'm gonna stop writing mine because it's too similar and like i don't think that's the right attitude because like you're not copying and like your book could be completely different and you know even i've done this where i just tell myself like this book is too similar mm -hmm. i suck you know <laughs> but that's never the case well and yeah i that's one of the things that I usually get about halfway through the book. And that's when I hit the messy middle. And that's when all the doubts start piling in. And that's when I hit the like, this isn't even original. I'm just copying this and this and this. And I'm just, you know, hacking together things that I've, but we're all kind of hacking together things that we've been consumed before. You're plucking yep. the things that you liked out of other things and putting them back together, which is just a part of how story brains work. I'll admit I have a story like what you were talking about. I was just concepting a story and then I read a deal announcement for a book and it was actually after the deal announcement. It was a promo post for a book that was upcoming a few months afterwards that was like the exact same premise. And I was like, yes, I'm going to set that aside for a minute. But, but I'll bet yours, you know, I'll bet yours would still have been different, but you know. It would have. And here's the deal. I actually I've not set fire to that book, I, to that story idea. I want to read the other book and go, okay, this is a different concept. Um, and just make yeah. sure that I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not retreading exactly where this book has gone. Or if you do read it and find out that you're treading kind of the same territory, you can always throw in a yeah. twist and make it a lot different. That's when you, I can kind of course correct and go, okay, well, you know, maybe here's another part of that story I'd like to explore a little better. And then I can use that story as a comp. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the other yeah. flip of the coin is go this book is kind of like yep. mine now it's a comp <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but that is that's definitely a worry that i have a lot um i do think that my work definitely tends to have derivative elements 
um, just in aesthetics, in like voice of other things that I've read. I do tend to absorb voice when I read. Um, you're doing the thing. You're doing the thing. Which thing? You're being human. Yeah. You're being human. But, you know, you're you're basically saying, I am not responsible for 100% of this. I have, you know, things that, you know, inspired me. And but and and I think that a lot of people are in your situation. And, and that's, you're okay, Avery. <laughs> it's okay. Like, I think everything is derivative. And I yeah. think that as human beings, we're just like, oh, it's, it, you know, it's derivative. And I have a certain, you know, brand that I like. And yeah, but like, so does literally everyone it's okay like you don't have to feel bad about it i mean look at the number of books that became big bestsellers or movies or franchises that were fan fiction that had the serial number scraped off <laughs> there are a few yep. big ones and everybody knows this started as twilight fan fiction this started as one direction real person fan fiction this started and then they just mm -hmm. went and kind of changed enough of it to make it now original because yeah they may have used those settings but the story they were telling was still original that like once you change mm -hmm. like the names it's basically like oh this is this really is a new story but you looked at it in the first place and go well this is just fan fiction it's just a spin-off of something that exists but really it's not it is its own story it's completely different i don't know where i was going with that i lost that thought i had a thought it was starting and then it just went away Goodbye. that's fine again weird episode it's gonna time. be a weird episode <laughs> avery and i are both in a mood today it's fine you know sometimes not every day is as good as the last friday yeah. you know sometimes your fridays are weird and you still have to record a podcast <laughs> i do have like a weird mental week no i didn't have the the like i i don't know why i don't know what my reason was my brain is just weird um we've decided it's something in the air yeah it's it's the, the pollen. pollen. It's messing with us. Yeah. Like I said, M. Night Shyamalan was right all along. The trees are like driving yeah. everybody. Yeah, but <laughs> we made, we laughed. We laughed at Marky Mark and his terrible movie, but it was real all along. Um, it, it, it probably <laughs> is partially pollen because my brain is all fuzzy. Um, <laughs> it's the fucking trees. Well, it's like, I'm just so, they're making me crazy. I'm so congested and everything that my brain is just like, it feels like cotton. But okay, so I'm kind of going through our list here, and we kind of like have been bouncing around all of the topics. So I'm just going to kind of keep bouncing. Yeah, you're good. One of the ideas that kind of goes along with the "Am I is everything I do on original?" is this is a fear I have a lot. Am I rehashing my own work over again? <laughs> because a lot of writers do tend to go to a very similar well of themes. Because there are certain themes and concepts and tropes that are going to appeal to you. And you will inevitably find yourself reapproaching them. And that's when I start to go, are all my books the same? Are they all exploring the same relationship dynamic? Do they all have the same type of love interest? Do they? <laughs> the thing is, dude, though, like that's why some people follow certain authors because they do the same stuff, like pretty repeatedly. Like the story's a little different, but the bones are very similar. And like, shit. Like I think that's you know that that's why people love really huge authors. Pretty much a lot of the romance authors found like a niche and a subgenre of romance, and they tend yeah. to write that same niche and subgenre and tropes because they do it well. Yes. Um, but even, like, fantasy authors, you know? And I think this is when you start to think of it as, don't think of it as copying yourself, think of it as branding yourself. Exactly. Because people go to, you know, you go to Sanderson for, like, a well-constructed magic system, Hell yeah. complex list of characters. Like, you know what you're getting into with the Brandon Sanderson book, and that's why you came to yeah. it. I know what I'm yep. getting into with my favorite authors. I'm like, I am here and different authors have different things. It's like this one I'm here for like beautiful prose. This one I'm here for like the relationship that makes me hurt. This one, <laughs> like, you yep. know what people do well. It's like, this is my angst author. They're going to write some angst. And so yep. if you're rewriting, if you're reapproaching some of the same themes and stuff in your own work or some of the same character tropes or archetypes or whatever, it's just your brand. Like for me, it's always two men taking care of each other and then there being 
something else terrible happening while they're trying to care about each other. Because <laughs> I love making my male characters, their relationships just fall apart because there's an outside thing just destroying everything. Damn those outside <laughs> things. Damn you. Well, in mine is, I noticed one of my themes that I tend to come back to is because I do have a lot of romance subplots and or main plots, um, it's characters that are deeply flawed or have made big mistakes and the other person seeing, recognizing those and accepting them. That's like a thing that I come back to a lot because it's like, I messed up. I messed up. Cool. Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. So that's what me and Avery did. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are a retelling of an Avery yes. story. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of the same, I have a lot of similar aesthetics in my books because I grew up with things that very heavily influenced those aesthetics. So I just think, like I said, it's, it's branding. You, you know, you go to, you go to a McDonald's, yeah. you know what you're getting at a McDonald's. It's, it's your brand. If you know, if people know what they're coming to your book for, then you're actually going to find a more loyal readership that way. Yeah. And if you have a friend who does like what appear to be books that have bigger, like, like more different stories one like their books vary a lot more than your books vary from your own books like you don't have to feel bad about that because the thing is is like depending on what sort of writer you are sometimes your books aren't gonna have quite so many things in common as maybe your books have you know, like, uh, yeah you know like you for instance avery writes a lot of romance and i think i've written i have i have romance heavy romance in one of my books and then like the, the i i write pretty different but there are themes that are similar mm -hmm. so like you don't have to feel bad like if you're not doing the same thing your buddy is as far as oh. like how like wide you're going as far as differences mm -hmm. in your books like don't bully yeah. yourself about that like why do we do why <laughs> yeah. do we bully ourselves we so do. much for this shit you know and that's the like, other thing is you don't have to like do the exact same like approach the same themes or whatever but because there are some authors who've built a brand off of like really unique concepts and innovating, you know, doing something kind of completely different with each book, different like style, different genre, different brand. One that comes to mind, and I have not read all of her books, is Catherine Valente wrote Deathless, which is this very bleak Russian Revolution retelling of the Cache the Deathless folklore. And it's very like fairy tale, but in a very kind of like I said, it's just a very dark, bleak way. And then she also wrote Space Opera, which is like an homage to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's very fun. It's very quirky. It's it's um, for those who are not familiar with it, it's Eurovision in space, um, and it's a comedy. And so they're up. completely <laughs> different books, like not even the same. And she's written other books that oh. kind of like scatter around different genres and stuff too and also i believe different categories i think some of she's them she's pretty are like, successful right yeah and so you don't have to like stick with the same brand because if i did not know those two books were written by the same person i would never have guessed but if you do find yourself doing it don't worry about copying yourself you're branding yourself <laughs> you're building exactly. a logo just write what you love. And if you mm -hmm. love the same thing in every book, just so long as you're doing it slightly differently, like who cares? Yeah. Like no one. In fact, people might really like it. So, yeah. you know, you know what? I was so fucking weirded out when JK Rowling wrote like a mystery after Harry Potter. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like this was before JK Rowling went off the deep know, end, became a, you know, nightmare. Yeah that uh <laughs> this was before that when i i still thought she was pretty cool but uh yeah i was like shocked and kind of mad i was like what do you mean you're gonna write a mystery like you know so like you don't have to feel bad about being samey same yeah well and i mean nora roberts also writes under jd robb and writes two completely different genres right it yeah. somehow writes like a million of them i don't even that's superhuman but that's a whole other topic for another day um <laughs> superhuman yes. how to do it <laughs> if you find out tell me <laughs> I'm just, uh, i haven't figured it out yeah. yet but i have a feeling i might maybe someday someday give me another 12 years of writing <laughs> um also kind of going back a little bit to when i was talking about the the retellings thing because i was mentioning 
uh, Deathless being a retelling. That's another kind of interesting segue from this topic, because a retelling is intentionally copying. You know, you're retelling usually something that's in the public domain. I know, was it this year or last Great Gatsby enter public domain? And so there's already like, there were Great Gatsby retellings that were written. Really? Yeah, they were written, they were pitched, and they were sold, but they couldn't publish until this year. That's so fun. Um, so, and I'm trying to remember. So we're going to see lots of Great Gatsby stuff yeah, now? Yeah, I think it may have been last year, because I think one of them was um, The Chosen and the Beautiful, and I cannot remember the name of the author. Okay. But it's it's a retelling from a character who's like a minor character in The Great Gatsby from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And retelling the character as someone who has, a, if I remember correctly, I think it's an Asian American perspective. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a whole twist on the Great Gatsby, like we were talking about, you know, putting it from the point of view of another character, and like some of the story beats that that cross with the Great Gatsby are all there, but it's her kind of telling. It's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but not funny. <laughs> It's a dramatic. So it's a bit like like the Enola Holmes thing that's going yeah, on, you know, like that. Yeah, like because Enola is like what uh, Sherlock's mm-hmm. sister. The Sherlock Holmes thing is a real fun copyright issue. Yes, because super fun. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's heard like knows about this, so I'm going to mention it uh, real quickly. The long and short of it is that most of the Sherlock Holmes stories, or at least some of the Sherlock Holmes stories, are in public domain, but some are not because of the way copyright law works. So, like, the ones that are not are later stories. Those are copyrighted, but the earlier Sherlock Holmes stories are not. So you can have a, they're public domain, so you can have a story about Sherlock Holmes and they can't come for you unless you incorporate something that's in specifically those last books that are not public domain. <laughs> and the Enola Holmes TV show came out and the estate for these these few copyrighted books are or stories are notoriously litigious and they litigious yes they tried to Good word. they tried to, to sue the enola holmes tv show because in it sherlock is nice to people and i think specifically nice to women and it was only in the okay. later stories that he like became more compassionate and in the earlier stories he was more distant and aloof so if you have a sherlock that is more compassionate then you're ripping off the few that are copyright. They they will oh try anything. Like anytime somebody's made a Sherlock adaptation, they've basically nitpicked something and they usually lose, but they always sue over it. No one has ever stopped to consider that maybe he's nicer to women in this new versions because people in the world are nicer to women now. <laughs> like, you know? And there's a couple other small things that are, I don't remember what they are, but they're very specific details like, I'm trying to think of because I know he he played violin before, but it's something about like a song he plays or some some small details like that where they'll try to nitpick it. But that's one of the really interesting cases because you can have a retelling that's technically a retelling, but just be careful if it's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Don't yeah. fuck with Sherlock. But stuff Holmes. like Shakespeare fairy tales, Jane Austen, things that are very clearly public domain, a lot of the old gothics. Mm-hmm. that's another th- weird thing is like frankenstein and frankenstein's monster are not public do- they're public domain they're not copyrighted but the specific image of the universal green one with the bolts is copyrighted yeah because he was like recently right yeah he was that visual was created by universal um so they all right. the same thing to um the wizard of oz mgm owns the rights to the ruby slippers because in the books they're silver but they made them red for the movie so if you want red ones, that's their copyright. And I think things like the specific shade of green that the Wicked Witch is. So if you ever see the Wicked Witch in any other thing, really? she's a different shade of green. Because Holy MGM shit. like trademarked their shade of green. The green witch is ours! That's why Once Upon a Time she's like a darker green and like shimmery. And there was really? like that weird Oz movie with James Franco in it, and she's a different shade of green in that one too. I learned something new today. So it's very weird. If you are going to do a retelling, you will want to look into like specifics. Of- do you happen to know off the top of your head how many years it is for something to become public domain? I used to know, but I can't remember. It used now. to be lifetime of the author plus seventy years, but I think that may have changed because that's always under 
Disney is always making people change it. And that's not an exaggeration. It's literally Disney going to court and making people change it. Disney's a bunch of butts. Yeah, it was 70. It was the lifetime of the author plus 70 years after their death. Yes. Um, because I think at one point, like if, and anything that's before a certain year is automatically public domain just because of the way copyright law was. And it's at some point in the 20s. And right. I don't remember exactly when, 26, 27, um, anything before that. So anything that's that's several hundred mm. years old is going to be completely public domain as long as you're not copying like something that was added in a later adaptation if you're copying the original source material go for it that's why pride and prejudice and zombies is is literally lifting the text like verbatim and just yep. adding lines yep you can yep. do that that's why we have and make a lot mm, of money off of it that's why we have rosencrantz <laughs> and gildenstern are dead which i don't know if you're familiar with that one um it's two minor mm -hmm. characters from Hamlet. It's a comedy. It's relatively modern-ish. Um, but it it was a comedy that was based on Hamlet. It's based on two minor characters in Hamlet. And it's them kind of like going around behind the scenes. And the main play of Hamlet is happening in the background of their story. It's kind of like... Nice. It's if Okay, you know how Lion King is Hamlet with lions? Hell yeah, it is. Lion King one and a half with Timon and Pumbaa as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead <laughs> as the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern characters. That's part of the reason they did that is because it's that same. That's funny. Uh, same concept. But yeah, so you can always put That's a new funny. twist on an old story. Um, and definitely if it's in public domain, go ham, have fun, do whatever you want with it. But yeah, I've read some really interesting retellings. Uh, mashups can be a really good way to copy and not copy. Because you're taking thing A, thing B. Quentin Tarantino would not have a career without copying and mashups. Quentin Tarantino is the best copier ever. Because <laughs> it's him taking, like, here's eight things that I love, and I'm going to yes. mash them all together, throw some feet in there, because... Dude, I think it is... I'm so glad you mentioned him, because, like, see, like, that's the stuff that I love. Like, like I... I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing something similar. Like I'm doing a historical fiction. I'm starting a historical fiction next week, but I'm literally throwing the weirdest curveball ever into it. But like otherwise, it's like historical fiction. Like, but yeah, I love the way Quentin Tarantino handles it because like he's amazing. Yeah, you're mixing, yeah, you're just mixing different things. One of the books on my shelf is called Dark and Deepest Red. It's by Anna Marie McLemore. And it's a retelling of the Red Shoes, but it's set during the Dancing Plague of France in the, I don't remember what year. <laughs> and then uh, several hundred years later, it's a dual timeline story, but it's, they took this historical event and mixed it with this fairy tale. And then I have another story by Anna Marie McLemore that is two fairy tales crossed together in a different time setting. Um, it's a more mo modern-ish, it's early 20th century time setting, but it's two different mm -hmm. fairy tales and also taken from a perspective that is not white culture. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. that's another way to do it, too, is to take a, a story that is historically, you know, super white and bringing it into your culture if your culture <laughs> is not mayonnaise culture. <laughs> Just some, just some of us man yeah. people. But if you have like an interesting <laughs> perspective to bring to a story, that can be one way to do it is to bring it into the things that are important to you. Um, whatever that is, that can be your culture. That can be a different story. It can be a theme. It can be just something that resonates with you personally and lifting some of those elements and mixing them with, with the essence of you. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip a little mm -hmm. bit off of this because it's also current topics. Uh -huh. Um so that going briefly going back to has this idea been overdone? Mm -hmm. Am I bringing anything new to the table? And a similar book was just announced. I'm working on this work in progress mixed with, you know, bringing your own culture into things. Okay, so there is this interesting thing happening right now uh with fucking pirates uh and i'm sure everybody like so there was pirates of the caribbean and then everyone was like pirates are dead and then black sails happened 
right? That's what it's called. It's called black sales. Yeah, black sales. Black sales happened, and then everyone after after black sales, and I even saw it in people's uh, the agents um their wish list uh manuscript wish list. They were like, oh no, pirates are dead. Don't bring me any more pirates. Like black sales has already done it. Like you know, and then like here comes fucking our flag means death, and it's literally more pirates and more pirate tropes but it's like super queer and like there it's it's like culturally diverse and it's like it's it's, it's so different <laughs> like you cannot judge yourself what you're working on based on things that have been published recently or not recently because like uh everybody has thought that pirates have been dead for literally the last 3 years and like here comes our flag means death and it's just like blowing blowing a hole on twitter and like you know geez somebody said what what if pirates but queer and diverse and also kind of a workplace comedy and a rom-com it's that thing where it's like okay i'm gonna take i like this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and we're just gonna mesh them together it's brilliant yeah like you, you got you, if you're bringing even like bit of it you know and, and you know black sails versus pirates of the caribbean for instance like pirates of the caribbean i think that franchise had like basically just mm -hmm. ended when black sails started so that book had technically been published right before black sails started and aside from like a lot more violence i think in black sails like i don't i haven't seen black sails but i feel like it's not entirely like it's not super unique right it's just pirates and cannons and i think that yeah i haven't watched it but i do i do think it takes itself more seriously yeah it's very serious and i think our flag means death going in a comedic route was something new and it brought it brought some you know fresh life into it and it makes me wonder if but, mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is even if the genre wasn't super mm -hmm. different like let's say it wasn't super different i think that black because i Pirates of the Caribbean was funny to a point, but it got yeah. kind of serious at the end. And, you know, like you can tweak just one or two things and, and have a different mm -hmm. story, you know, or you can tweak a whole genre and have something yeah. like Our Flag Means Death or like, you know. I was going to say the comedy is 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 one of the compelling reasons, but the reason it's resonated with a lot of people is the fact that it's very diverse in like a lot of different ways. And part of the reason yeah. that it worked so well being diverse is that they cast diverse actors and had diverse writers on board, um, which helped. Um, so that just was very nice. It was very refreshing. Because believe it or not, people that are diverse have yeah. diverse opinions and outlooks and perspectives on stuff. But um, that being said, you also, yes. like anybody in this world, has a unique and diverse way of looking at things. So... Don't be worried about, you know, you can be a little worried because I know that some there is a thing in publishing where it's like, oh, a big book just got sold with kind of the same, you know, the kind of the same premise. Realistically, it might be harder sell. Like if you're really thinking about the sad part of it, that's true. But like if you have something to add to it that's mm -hmm. really unique, it still has an equal chance mm -hmm. of success in the submission trenches yeah especially so. if the other thing has a little buzz and yours has a new twist on it even if it's yes. got similar bones you're like but twist then it can actually people can go ah we can we can build on this we can build on the hype of the other book and like yep gain some of that momentum you never know when that book that got published before yours is going to super take off and everybody's going to want stuff that's very mm -hmm. similar because, oh my gosh, people are eating this shit mm -hmm. up. Um, I mean, it's it's the dystopian so, yeah. boom. It's the vampire boom. All those things that happened, especially yeah. it was it was it was very popular mm -hmm. in YA for there to be like a breakout book and then for a lot of other books to follow exploring similar themes or settings or tropes or concepts. But each one brought something different so it's it, you know you can look at something and go well that's the twilight knockoff but it did it's it did bring something new to the table right it just was in the same genre right. um once again i kind of wandered off <laughs> no you're fine 
Yeah, no, you're, you're good. You're good. I'm just sitting here like, what do I say next? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, and I think one thing that we kind of, I'm kind of going back through our list. This is a little bit of a non sequitur, but we were talking about the the not reading other books while you write uh, or reading other books. <laughs> um, and one of the, I went to a conference once where someone, I think it was an agent on a panel mentioned part of the reason you want, you may want to curate a little bit what you're consuming while you're writing, but it's not necessarily because of copying subjects. It's if you're the kind of person who visits somewhere and comes back with an accent, you probably want to read books that are similar in voice and or tone. Because I do that. I will pick up if I'm reading like a really fast paced modern thriller, first person present, and I'm trying to write like a fairy tale, slow paced third person past. I I absorb like weird things about the voice of the book mm -hmm. that I'm reading. Yeah. And it's not I do that too. Yeah, it's not so much a copying as like a weird osmosis, but that is something to maybe keep in mind if you do pick things up. Just go, okay, I will save that book for either between projects or when I'm writing a project with a similar voice. Yeah, because I straight up, I like, I actually have books set aside that have similar voice and stuff or like even similar themes to the book I'm writing next. They're all set aside and like <laughs> waiting for me so that I can read them at the same time. I already know where my book's going. I'm not going to start picking up ideas and stuff from them i'm reading that i'm reading a book that's similar to what i'm working on because somebody has done it successfully yeah. and like why not use that to my advantage i just found out that uh bark skins literally takes place in the exact same place and almost the exact same time as the book that i'm going to be working on but mine's still yeah completely different like so it's it's you know, I'm I'm throwing a twist on it, and that's fine. And so I saved Barkskins to read mm -hmm. while I'm working on this next book. So and now it can be a comp. It can be Gosh. Barkskins meets something else. Cowboys versus aliens. <laughs> that's my pitch. Wait till you see my prologue. <laughs> Barkskins and aliens. I was literally just gonna cover, uh, you know, um forgery oh, and you know plagiarism. Not forgery not forgery plagiarism yeah uh don't don't go copy paste in paragraphs other people have written into your books even if it's like if it's your friends like get permission and stuff <laughs> don't do that don't do that <laughs> well that's like what i well, yeah when i mentioned you can't copyright you can't copyright a general concept you can copyright the words that are on the page so yeah yeah you can't you Don't can't copyright you know de depressing old-timey story <laughs> you can copyright it was the best of times it was the worst of times <laughs> yeah so, yeah see i wouldn't use that line unless you're trying to be funny or reference it to it somehow or like i mean i i say that but his is technically public domain but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what I mean is like even if it yeah. wasn't public domain, like I don't know. I mean that if I you I use a line that I well known, know. you're using it because it's well known. You're using it to make a commentary on it or something. It's funny because like I don't know the rule about how many words it counts in a row to be plagiarism, but like I know like for instance with like music, I think you can do four measures of music and they they can't jab you I've, for it um but if you have notes that are beyond four measures worth they can they can I've, get in I've trouble i've kind of heard that it's more complicated than that there's actually a um there's a couple youtube channels that i watch i think one is adam neely i may cut this later hmm. if that's incorrect and if it's not <laughs> i will post a link in the show notes um but i actually watch a couple of YouTube channels that go over these music copyright lawsuits and kind of show when they hold water and when they don't. And sometimes there are two pieces of music that sound to our ears similar, but then you actually look at them and either they're not as similar as you thought, musically speaking, or they're using things that are very common music tropes and chords. And there was one about um, 
there's a Paramore song and an Olivia Rodrigo song that sound very similar. A bunch of people said we're copying. And this guy put it as like, this is the same chord progression and like general vocals as <laughs> a Green Day song. And there were like two other songs. Yeah. He was like, it's just because the vocalists happen to be young women who have very similar sounding voices that in this case, these two sound more similar than any of these other songs that use these very common chord progressions. Yep. So yeah, it's kind of the same thing with books. Like there are very common tropes and story structures and progressions and stuff, but then you get into the nitty gritty, like you said, of like how many words together, because you can say it was the best thing. Right. That's four words. <laughs> it was the best of things. It was the worst of things. <laughs> so I don't actually know, like, yeah, like you said, what, I think it's one of those things that a court would have to decide if it got to a sketch point and someone sued over oh, it. Can you but um, there, there have been really interesting, you know, copyright lawsuits in in books that have been a mess. And I'm trying to think of any recently. Oh, the Omegaverse. <laughs> the Omegaverse. Okay, we might go a few minutes over, but I am going to talk about the Omegaverse lawsuit That's because fine. this happened a few years ago and it was bananas. So, you're familiar with what Omegaverse is, maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything. Omegaverse is a genre of fan fiction that is a very specific genre. It has very specific tropes. It pulls from the, like, stereotypical wolf pack stuff that's actually scientifically inaccurate, like alphas, betas, omegas. It's it's a society ah, okay. that's usually all men. There's usually no women. So, sometimes there are, but you usually it's male based. There are men that can get pregnant. Okay. That's where impreg comes from. Only certain levels of men can get pregnant. There's very specific mm. like kinky stuff in it. Um, if you so choose. Okay. Um, that is very that's closely related to like wolf anatomy. I won't get into too details. Anyways, it was a thing that's mm, okay. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. I promise. <laughs> It was a thing that sprang up in fan fiction. Uh, I believe it started in supernatural fan fiction and then kind of just oh, of expanded from there and became like a genre of fan fiction. So you got your coffee shop AUs, you got your Omegaverse. And then people started writing original Omegaverse stories. And it was one of those things that it came up in fan fiction. It kind of was like crowdsourced, like people would pick things and then they kind of became canon just over time. And so people started writing their original Omegaverse stories. No fan fiction, but it used some of the tropes of this alpha, beta, omega structure, the impreg, which is uh, male pregnation, impregnation. Um, so, Jeez. yeah. <laughs> oh, here it gets better. <laughs> um, so people started writing original Omegaverse. Someone started writing straight Omegaverse. I don't actually know the specifics of how this happens, but it's the fuck is straight omegaverse i don't know but there's het omegaverse somehow oh yeah. heterosexual yeah. omegaverse how do you do that in this i don't in know the, the details uh, of that but i do know it exists because one author wrote straight omegaverse <laughs> fan fiction or het omegaverse pairings mm. another author wrote het omegaverse pairings author a sues author b saying you stole my ideas author b says these are common tropes that exist in this universe that was essentially crowdsourced and no one owns it it became this big lawsuit right. there is a new york times article that has to explain what impreg is because new york times did an article about the lawsuit what? because author a alleged <laughs> that author b was copying or the other way around i don't remember but one of the authors copy accused the other of copying and they had to be like these are all very common tropes it's like saying fantasy novel a copied fantasy novel b because there's a mythical sword and a prophecy and a character who comes from humble beginnings and it's like really basic tropes of the genre i thought that was a thing in like fan fiction to like try to like make like so like if someone's like oh yeah hetero hetero omegaverse oh well we should all write that because this is well, so fun like i thought that's what like the spirit of fan fiction was all about it is but these two were were original they were original <laughs> stories they were not fan fiction they just used the tropes of the omegaverse oh okay just like the tropes of the genre in original fan fiction oh. they were self-published i think one was small published and one was self-published if i remember correctly um and it became like this whole lawsuit. And it was like, who owns 
the Omegaverse because it was it built momentum over time. It was crowdsourced. You know, fandom started right. adding to the canon. Everybody kind of had a little bit of a twist on it. And it was like, who who owns this and who's copying it if it's if it's actual tropes? If this interests you, I I swear there's I will once again, I will link it in the show notes. There is a New York Times article about what the Omegaverse is and about this whole lawsuit. It was completely outrageous. Uh, it, so who won? I don't. I think it ended up getting dropped because it got weird and hairy because there were like other things involved. And one of the people was like dodging, getting papers. It was it was very messy. Um, so I don't <laughs> think there was actually like either it got dropped or settled out of court. But it still stands on record that someone accused the other person of copying Omegaverse, which is essentially more or less public domain at this point. So, all right. So, yeah, that's a fun copying anecdote. Um, fun. I'm glad we got to discuss that before we forgot about it and never got to mention it. So, yeah, they can, there can be lawsuits and the court can be like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this like, is dumb. None of this is copyrightable. Um, I think there was also a lawsuit at one point about Cassandra Clare copying someone or someone copying Cassandra Clare. And once again, it turned out to all just be like real generic tropes. I think the, it might have been the Omegaverse one or somebody, it may have been the Cassandra Clare one where someone's like, yes, but there's two love interests and one is blonde and one has dark hair. And it's like, oh, dear. Yes. Like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Yes, more. That's, yes, that's that. that's just the thing. Right. Like you can't copyright that. So, oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's a fun thing. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a huge point with that, except to be like, oh, have you heard about the Omegaverse lawsuit? That's fine. Um, I liked it. It doesn't always have to be a point. I want to know the story. It's just great because it's like this real bizarre, like kinky fandom stuff that now, like the rest of the literary world, had to be like, wait, what? <laughs> What? Wait, what? What is this lawsuit <laughs> over? Like they have sex and then they link together and they can't unlink. Like that's like that's dogs. Yeah, that's yeah. like a thing in Omegaverse. Like they, I don't know. Nice. I don't know the details of how they anatomically <laughs> worked that out with people, nice. but apparently it's like part. It's one of the tropes. So like, someone somewhere filed a lawsuit. That's fine. Being like this belongs to me. <laughs> Y'all, no kink shame. And if you want to write your humans with dog knots, you please like shoot for the stars. Yeah, do it. Just don't, just don't try to copyright or sue people over it. Yeah, don't go to yeah. court over it because like sounds like people are really yeah. been out of like, shape. Everybody was having a good stuff. time until one person was like, "This belongs to me," and everybody was like, "Ah, no, no, it does not. This belongs to all of us." Thank you. <laughs> all of us. All of us have the gift of the human dog knot. Of 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 knotting an impreg. That's that's everybody yeah. that belongs. That belongs to, the world. to everybody. That that is for that is everyone. the gift fandom has given to the world. I'm so glad that the that someone out there has decided that it is for all of us. Legally, <laughs> there is legal precedent. I gotta get me some of that. <laughs> So yeah, okay. Anyway, Sorry, I went a few gone minutes. Three over. minutes over talking about people. Yeah, nuts. Okay, I guess I'll. I threw my script. Oh, okay. Final thoughts. Jokes are winding down. I think those are my final thoughts. So the next part of the script. That is was you. a final joke. And if you want my final joke, just go back to that Valentine's episode where I read <laughs> the Minotaur sex out loud. It's fine. But he was able to pull out. He was. So, no, he no, not out. There was no not in that. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> we'll try to do better next Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'll do better next time. I'll do a, I'll do a minute tour with a big old <laughs> knot. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think okay. I'm good. I think that's a great yeah. note to leave on. Yes, our next live episode will be on May 13th, and will be another editing episode on how to vary your sentence structure. Um, you can find everything you need at anditswriting.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at anditswriting for episode updates and notifications or join our Discord group, which uh, you can check out our website for the link for that. 
Um, there are some services now that will let you leave ratings and reviews. We'd really appreciate it if you did. Please make us feel better about ourselves and help the algorithm so that other people can find us and tell your friends. Five star. Five star. Five star for Minotaur Knots. <laughs> you can leave that in your review. Just type Minotaur Knots. And then other people will be curious yeah. and they will listen to us as well. Yes. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon. Thank you.